And welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. And this week, our guests are folks from the Ithaca Shakespeare Company. Their next production, which is going up in November, is Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. It's a rather unique production because except for the stage manager, everybody in the cast and technical crew is female. That's right, kids. An all, nearly all-female version of Julius Caesar. Sitting in the studio with us this time was Amina Omari, the director, Paige Anderson, the assistant director and producer, Judith Andrew, who plays Brutus, and Camilla Shade, playing the lean and hungry Cassius. Where else could we start this interview except with one of the more obvious questions? I've heard over the years from, from doing theater and talking to people who've done Shakespeare that he has never been friendly to the female gender. And lots of people complain that there are no good roles for women in Shakespeare and that his views or the way he treats women in his plays is misogynist, disrespectful, and without understanding. That said, I am speaking with four of the... How many women are involved in this show? Um, there's well over 50. 20, 20, 20 women. Let's 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 yeah. say twenty women it's even. <laughs> who have bonded together, banded together uh, uh, to do Julius Caesar. Now, my my obvious first question is, why? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> well, let me just. Uh, this is Amina, and I'm the director, and. Um, yeah, it's worse than you, it's worse even than you say, it's worse than standard in Julius Caesar. This is one of, uh, Shakespeare's plays with the fewest number of female characters. Those female characters have the fewest number of lines, and indeed they pretty much exist only to get smacked down. They, they just exist in such a limited way in this world. So, so I, I can totally understand why you, why y'all ready just to jump in and, and... <laughs> yeah, and, and take this on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a uh, it's like a real it's a world of extremes in this particular play, even more so that I think than in most Shakespeare plays. Like, this is no Rosalind, this is no Gertrude. These female characters don't even have that much power, mm-hmm. so it's really interesting to jump in there and kind of. Well, I think he goes. This is Camilla. Um, he goes even farther to underscore mm-hmm. the um, servitude of yeah. women. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was the Roman culture and then there's Shakespeare's culture. And um, he talks a lot, like I know I have the line about we are governed with our mother's spirits, our yoke and sufferance show us womanish. But um, it, it, they were, they were yoked and they suffered. Yeah. They had no power. They had no rights, um, probably much like uh, the rest of the world for a very long time, the inability to vote or to hold land or anything like that. I'm not certain now. Yeah. So the question is really, like, is, is Shakespeare a misogynist or is he depicting misogynist societies? He's definitely depicting a misogynist society really quite, quite intensely, and I think with some empathy for the suffering of all the characters, both the female characters who get smacked down and also the male characters who are sort of bound up in this. They have to be appropriately masculine, appropriately Roman, and they have they can't show emotions, they can't get angry, they can't get sad, and they're they're sitting there policing each other all the time. So that's Man, what's it was been. a giant testosterone laden culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these guys trained from in, being in school, I guess it was a 
everybody was on the football team. <laughs> There's no not being no, 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 on the football team. Right. So, so in this production, um, we, of course, have women playing all the male roles as well as the two female roles. Uh, this is Judith Andrew, by the way. She is playing Brutus. <laughs> yes, I am. And... Um, and so, and then the two women who play the two female roles are having fun with those, but also they're also playing a male role or two along mm -hmm. along with the two female roles. So not only do we have women playing men, which is you know just the opposite of what would happen in Shakespeare's time when all the men had all the roles for so long. Male and female. So tell me so, why you would want to be in this exceptionally female-hating play. Well, it's a, a challenge, of course, to play roles unlike any other role that any of us have ever played, um, just because they are, they are male, but also because um, it's, it's a, a chance to work with such a large group of women really closely and it's just phenomenal it's just wonderful being with this many women almost every night of the week for two, <laughs> for, for two months yeah. yeah it's it's incredible we have though I mean, why not do it he's dead and we're women yeah. <laughs> and we can do it <laughs> yeah so, I mean, have you directed Shakespeare before? I have not directed Shakespeare before. This is my first Shakespeare show. I've directed um, a bunch of different stuff. I've directed some stuff nearly as big as this, but this is huge. There's a lot, a lot. I mean, we cut, Paige and I worked to cut the script down from like 40-something characters. Okay, we're talking to... Paige, uh, Paige Anderson, uh, who is assistant directing. Yeah. And um, yeah, we cut, I think we cut over a dozen characters. Mm -hmm. And it's just 20 to 25 percent of the play. And well, yeah. cutting Shakespeare is, is typical, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah because nobody, okay. no, a modern nobody audience, <clears throat> well, frankly, the modern audience is not sitting there getting drunk, so they have less of a tolerance, I think, for the very long show times. So They're not, Shakespeare's, no, we're not allowed <laughs> to bring in. <laughs> That's why they look at me funny, okay. <laughs> so, what, uh, how is directing Shakespeare different from directing something modern with words that we can actually understand? Well, I think um, one of the most enjoyable parts is that you, you get to use the language in a totally different way. So I think a lot of the modern stuff that I've directed, you sort of, um, you act in the pauses a lot. Like there's a lot less, there's a lot more sort of doing and the speaking is sometimes secondary to the doing. And here the speaking and the doing are one, like it's one and the same. You have to sort of do as you speak. Your speaking has to matter Otherwise, you're throwing away these words. So mm -hmm. that's been really fun to explore. Um, it's actually not unlike when I've worked on musicals. You have to use the music in a similar way. So, so it's, it's sort of as though all the, all the language is musical, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And may I say that it's hard to believe that Amina has never directed Shakespeare before. <laughs> Truly, she's, she's doing an incredible job. And, and knows, so, she did so much homework before she even came to our first rehearsal. She knows... There's never enough homework, come so on. Much, <laughs> so much about the Roman culture and, and the history, which has been so helpful to all Amina of us. Amina could plan a battle. 
<laughs> she could. A real and she has. With strategies um, from the Romans. <laughs> and, and we'd all be wearing sandals, everybody. Yeah, the sandals is the sandals, man. <laughs> Fighting in sandals, no wonder the Romans went down. That was madness. Yeah. <laughs> ah. What what is it actually about Shakespeare that was the biggest hurdle for you? Um, I think honestly, it's just the complexity. There's a huge, there's a huge amount of stuff that that has to get gotten across. We have to do a lot of work because nothing is. We can't take for granted that anybody's going to understand anything, and that goes for me as a director. That goes for all the actors working on it, and that goes for the audience that we're talking to. Like we're we're bringing this play up from a history where. Maybe most of the people would already have known this story pretty well, so we have to kind of communicate that extra stuff to people who didn't learn all this in school necessarily. Yeah. The word, the language can be its own challenge. The millions of characters. And you know what? The other thing is I'm working on the thrust stage for the first time, which I was like super excited to do. And boy, oh boy, it's like really challenging to get, you know, a dozen people moving around this kind of stage in a flexible way, in a very tight, very intimate space. Because right. but... all of a sudden you've got three sides of viewing yeah, as right. opposed to a proscenium, which is front on. That's right. right. And for yeah. people who don't know what a thrust stage is, the audience is on three sides. Yeah. yeah. But I think Our... it's going to be fun because that means the audience gets to be kind of, um, I'm trying to use the audience to play the role of the big crowds and the big, you know, armies. Almost, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's like, in, in the second half of the play, almost every scene starts with, you know, here, enter character, 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 plus an army, plus some <laughs> plus some this, plus some that. Like, it's just, you know, followed by a crowd of four. All the ushers, all the yeah. boxes. Sounds, yeah. sounds like a Cecil B. DeMille orgasm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but last night we got the note, please uh, shift your positions when you're standing in front of an audience member for too long. Otherwise, they're just going to get tired of your butt in their face. <laughs> your butt in their face. Mm -hmm. So we decided since we could not fit an army on our stage, we're going to make the audience part of the army and part of the mob and yeah. part of the Senate. So yeah. in this intimate space, really? we're I... going to make the audience immersed in the action well we don't want to scare people off into thinking that they're going to come to this show and be expected to do stuff no, no. and that's not that's not what we mean right um, they're, they're not participants i mean we're not expecting them right to be but the actors are using right them yeah. and really addressing them and and um yeah. The scary part of that would be if they did come in togas and things. And <laughs> we'll do that apparently, but we along with the roller that. skates, cheerleader outfits. So uh, showing up in togas is not required. Not required. No, no helpful. <laughs> Even the actors will not be in togas. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Romans complained about togas. They hated togas. They're like giant and hot and itchy. So. Cool. Paige, what have, what have you what have you been learning during this? rehearsal process i mean you're, you're watching it from normally i see you as an actor mm -hmm. okay and this is my first foray into so directing. yeah um what's 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 it like from the executive offices <laughs> well it was your choice wasn't it it, it was, it was your yes, your idea it was yep. my idea and um yes i take full responsibility for that um, and full blame and full blame <laughs> yes indeed um, I mean, how's it, how has it changed your thinking about what's ha you know, happening on the stage? It, um, you know, it's so much more complicated than I ever thought it would be. As an actor, I thought, you know, being a director is relatively simple, right? You just, you know, 
tell people to be louder or what to do. Faster and funnier, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, I think it's just been an amazing experience for me, and it makes me respect directors more and also respect actors more because I've been watching this collaboration where both sides come to it with so much energy and creativity and just to be on the outside a little bit and watch this process watch this play sort of coalesce into this really amazing drama is just fascinating I just I love it I've never had that experience before because as an actor I've been you know trying to memorize my part and trying to deal with the other actors and not being able to see the whole coming together. And and just to be able to watch that process has just been incredible. Just, and just I love it. How do you think this will affect your future acting roles? I mean, will you start to think of what you're doing on stage as a part of the whole in a different way now? I think I will. I mean, it, it gave me a lot of insight into what a director might be thinking what a director's looking for um, I think it's been really helpful in ways that I can't fully elaborate on it's just been a, a growth experience and it probably takes some, an awful lot of processing I'm, I know from being on one side of the stage for so long I mean I'm much more at home mm-hmm. as a director okay um, it's it's the knack of um, the knack of what I do. I can I can look at a stage. I can say turn this way, go that way. Give me this. Give me less of that. Activate the pronoun. Do what do whatever that stuff has to be. When I'm on stage as an actor, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Okay, I'm, it's true. I, it's I'm I'm on stage and I'm basically throwing lines at my fellow actor and waving waving my arms, and you know it's. I, I need direction, and I, I don't really realize until I'm up there, okay? Because you look at a script, and you say, oh, he wants this. Terrific. Once you get, to, you know, to the rehearsal stage, how do you make, how do you, how do you explicate that? Where do you go? What do you do? How much is too much? How much is too little? And the value of having a good director is, it's hard to explain. Yeah. You know, as an actor... I always, I love direction, and my thought was always, give me more direction, give me more direction, sure, yeah. because I, I, I want to do a great job, and I feel like as an actor, I can't see myself. There's always that gap between, I think I'm, I think I understand the script, I think I am portraying something accurately and, and realistically, and, and as it was meant to happen, but I don't know, there's always that gap, and I want my director to tell me yes or no or do this differently so mm-hmm. that you know to have that accurate perception of what i'm doing which i as an actor lack so it's right. incredibly valuable that said it's um with this cast especially it's been super everybody's kind of bringing bringing it all out i feel like everybody's taking it as an opportunity there everybody's like oh i've wanted to do a role like this for a long time and so everybody's kind of bringing it and so everybody's bringing all this stuff so that I, as a director, just get to sort of choose from a lot of different things rather than having to try to invent. So there's a lot of collaborative stuff happening and a lot of kind of everybody's bringing where they do. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, with a good cast, that's yeah. that's um, a part of the process. It's yeah. I, I know from at least my own experience that uh, the smartest thing I can do is cast well. 
You get a good set of actors on that stage, good creative people who, you know, like to take chances and who actually know what, you know, what's happening in the script. You get moments of absolute gold. Um, let me, let me. This cast is so great that it makes me literally weep with happiness watching them. They are so, so great. I just have moments and this is rehearsal, right? Yeah. They're just so beautiful and they're just portraying these roles so with just um, such amazing brilliance. I'm just, I'm so happy with them. I just love them so much. It's just, it's like this emotionally overwhelming experience. I'd be happy to do rehearsal for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's, let's, let's shift subjects here a little bit. You are doing a play that is known for at least one scene of gosh, awful violence. Um, but there's violence all throughout the play. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to the fact that you're all women and this is at first glance, atypical, uh, a, a, piece of literature for for women to be portraying and doing because it's you know again atypical but how do you feel with swords i mean uh uh, wielding swords carrying swords because you know you give a guy a sword a guy walks on stage it's like i have a sword that's what women do but then i got oh my god i gotta work out My arms are too weak. No Swiss Army knife, let me tell you. Yeah. They're heavy. These things are heavy. Um, Even the daggers are heavy. Mm-hmm. We are playing men, um, and so there's this funny line I keep coming up against. Though we, but we are women, and we're going to be recognized as women. But we are playing men. Now, um, we're being given swords, and we have um, a wonderful uh, fight director, Holly Adams, mm-hmm. who is. Uh, been our guide and uh, director in the choreography yeah. of the fights, as well as guiding us into manhood. <laughs> uh, how to stand, how to walk, how to how to talk, uh, mm-hmm. how not to move your head like a swan, right. Um, right. and which has all been very difficult because it's when doing that you're taking on a character, and I find the character that I end up being as a man is not the character I feel. Cassius is, but that would be Cassius being a man who is because he is a man and I'm a girl. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, challenging in the show. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, um, it, it's very very difficult. I find that very difficult. It's very complex. Mm-hmm. Very complex. Um, first of all, um, we're asking the audience to accept us as males, but that said, we are not binding our breasts. We're not painting stubble on our faces, we're going to be clearly female to look at um, our bodies and, um, and our voices, too, because clearly we all ha- we have our voices run the gamut of pitches and, and so forth, um, just like males do. But, um, but so, so the, uh, we're really depending on the audience just accepting us as male because of the way we move and what we're saying and what we're doing and and our, the way that we, our speech patterns and so forth, yeah. um, which are different than female speech patterns. It's been, so I asked everybody when we started to sort of think about male traits and what it would mean to kind of enact male traits or take on male roles from, you know, whatever body you're in, whatever voice you have. Um, 
and it's really interesting to watch. Uh, there's a different way that men take up space or fail to yield space to other people or just don't emotionally like try to you know, accommodate others and all that's really important here because people, you know, this in this play, the characters are, are having these huge high stakes battles um, all the time, sort of uh, verbally and physically. So I'm seeing, it's been funny because I feel like that in the, the first stage of this, the women in the cast were taking on maleness, a kind of like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger maleness. <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah. am a dude. I am a dude. Let's try that. And everybody's kind of like uh, relaxing into the more specific version of a man that their particular character is, which is where a lot of the fun is coming out. Yeah. Um, and that's just taking time. It's just taking time and physical practice. It's a physical thing to carry a sword around and mm-hmm. to be, be ready for action at any moment and not sort of be pushoverable right. um, in your physical Yeah, it's stance. become a question more like, uh, how is Cassius a man? Yes. Which, But originally it was, how can Camilla be a man being Cassius? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's becoming more about the character. Yeah, yeah. and I think the thing that helped me mm-hmm. the most in thinking of, of all of this was early on Amina said, if you had the power that men had then, how would you move? How would you speak? How would you interact with um, with the other characters? And... That helped a lot, right from the start. The violence, uh, it has been very interesting. Um, generally, after we've done it really well, everybody has to hug. Yeah. <laughs> it's disturbing. Oh, I'm sorry. It's very disturbing. And I think it is more disturbing watching women um, yeah. go mm-hmm. at it with such great... Uh, vitriol and venom and ferocity and, um, and ferocity, and ferocity. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do each of you feel when when you either perform this or you see it done by your colleagues because this is a very violent play yep when i'm i i stood in for for a couple of people and did some of the fight choreography when other actors weren't here and being involved in it there's an aspect to it that's very technical. You want to do it correctly so that it looks realistic, but you're not actually hurting anybody. You're thinking on the one hand about an actor and what an actor is doing to support another actor. But layered on top of that, you are portraying a character with a certain violent intention. So that's complicated um, and and difficult and, and incredibly rewarding. So when you're acting it, you're very immersed in it. When I'm watching it, even though I know having acted in it, um, when I'm watching it, I'm horrified. Even yeah. though I know that yeah, yeah. it's yeah. choreography. Right. You know, it's yeah. incredibly disturbing. And it doesn't become less disturbing the more I watch it. It becomes even yeah. more yeah. disturbing. Mm. What if, I don't know if people know what a dance yeah, stage combat is. It's really a tango. It's really a dance. And so specific. So specific. Yeah. You move here, and after they move there, you go here, but keep your arm over here so it yeah. doesn't yeah. do this. And yeah. it's, Good fight yeah. choreography is labeled out movement by movement, yeah. muscle movement by right, muscle movement, right. primarily for the fact that you don't hurt your stage partner. Or yourself. But it's also <laughs> or, yourself. Incre- or yourself. Well, yeah. yeah. 
But and and sometimes the victim is the one who's in the most control yes, in a moment. Right, right. You right. are guiding the action. Yeah. But I, I'm when I'm dead as Cassius, yeah. I've been cheating and one eye stays open. <laughs> and I watch Trebonius, played by Danielle, uh, die there. And sometimes it's nauseating. Yeah. yeah. It's really difficult. Mm. And I think, I mean, for me, part of that's about... So... I think what's going to happen with the audience, and we'll see how it actually plays out, but I think the audience is going to mostly just kind of take for granted that these characters are going about their character business and totally like, oh, I, I don't care that they're women, I don't care that they're men, I'm just watching them do their business. But there are certain moments where it just kind of hits you, and I think the violence is going to be one of those moments where the audience is going to become really aware that these are women playing male characters, because that allows you, it, it forces you not to take for granted this violence, because... Our culture expects expects men to be violent, right. expects men to solve problems with violence. We watch action movies all the time where men are sure, stabbing yeah. things and fighting things and whatever. Because policy are talks it, are boring as hell. That's yeah. why, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when women are doing it, you're sort of forced to, you you get a more visceral sense of that violence, right? Yeah. Like you, you get a sense of how scary it might be to be in that position. It's almost easier to empathize with a woman in that position rather than just see it as a spectacle. Yeah. And 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 people I think people will will find themselves thinking when they realize that these are women mm -hmm. doing this stuff, that's not supposed to be. Yeah. They're not supposed to be doing that. But then you realize that the wider picture is nobody is supposed yeah, to be doing exactly, this. Yeah, exactly, that there's a real violation that happens. And I, I feel like the violence that happens in this play, every time it happens, there's some big violation of something that shouldn't have been violated. Mm -hmm. And having women in those roles almost intensifies that feeling. Yeah. Um, it's very. It gets very, like, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking yeah. about this one scene. It gives me, like, oh, chills. Well, I mean, this play has probably the most iconic scene of violence in any Shakespeare play, and that's the assassination of Caesar mm -hmm. by multiple people. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember how many people. I don't even want to know how many people. But <laughs> all, all of a sudden, there's <clears throat> he's walking through the, the the Senate, and the next thing he is set upon by friends and colleagues, and it's a moment of such stark violence, of such surprise, of such turnaround. That I don't, you know, I don't care how many times you've seen it. It still has to be shocking, and it still has to set you back, and probably raise the bile in in you a little bit. But it's also the moment, probably the most iconic moment of ultimate betrayal. Yeah. All right. Um, to have your friends, to have your colleagues, you're walking through the safest place. You are Caesar, and you are at home in the Senate. And you're in charge. And you think you're about to get a crown. You think you're going to get crowned emperor for life. And all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and, and Shakespeare's written some iconic lines, but the shortest one is at two Brute. Mm -hmm. Then falls Caesar. Yeah. And Judith playing Brutus. I mean, where are you at this particular point? I mean, how do you feel as the actor playing this best friend to Caesar delivering the final blow? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so much of it is right in the text. The, the lines are so amazing and, and deep and beautiful. And um, uh, Brutus believed, believes throughout the play that what he's doing, he's doing for the good of Rome, for the good of, of the people. And that Caesar is getting out of hand and... Um, as much as he loves Caesar like a father or 
whatever, um, it has to be done for, for the sake of the commonwealth. And he says, and he comes, he says it, he articulates that throughout, you know, yeah. before it happens, before the assassination happens, as well as after it happened. Rome was a republic, which doesn't mean democracy, but it was, in a way, governed by more than one, one person. Right. They were all nobles. They were the uppy ups. Sure. They were the yeah. lawyers and the dentists and whatever. <laughs> the, uh, but it was several versus one. So this is a huge threat that this guy is calling himself a god and coming in and is mm -hmm. going to take over yeah. not only the empire he already has conquered, but the center of it. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of it for for my character for Brutus stems from his family history because his ancestors were instrumental in the original establishment of the Republic. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he, he really is very, very close to that cause. Yeah. Liberty is at stake. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you're a, if you're a descendant of the founding fathers and somebody, some president is like, oh, well, I like being president so much, I'm going to be president for always, right? Like it's that level of, oh my God, no, like, of course not. Right. No. <laughs> Yeah. It's the issue of betrayal in this play has always intrigued me because yes, we do have the Brutus delivering the blow from you know, and in Caesar's point of view, this is something that never would have happened. And he says, Well, if if you're gonna turn against me, then I might as well die. But did Caesar not betray the people first by abandoning his role and reaching for a godhead. Hi, Cassius. I <laughs> would say yes. Was oh, that a setup question? That was just a little too obvious. <laughs> Absolutely, that's the platform on which I run, or my character. But runs. the people don't see it. Yeah. They're blind to it until it's pointed out to them yeah. in so many words. That's another thing in the play too, um, is that the people represented by a very few here yeah. are this are very scary in their mob mentality yeah. we have a bit mm -hmm. of a lynching that happens um by somebody who's just sort of walking into it um and how easily they were swayed um first by brutus and then mark antony who comes in turns the whole thing around which is yeah. it all yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. they love caesar they hate caesar they love caesar again depending on the last person who spoke persuasively to right them. and then they love brutus and then they hate brutus and then they well, love antony we know brutus is an honorable man of course he, <laughs> he is, is. <laughs> that's a funny thing too about the <laughs> yeah. play is he is an honorable man he's was he was brought in league with these other connivers who are going to kill Caesar because of his honorableness, his nobility, and that he stuck to. He makes does not make this decision easily, and um, and then as we go forth, he tries to stay with that, but it, he goes down being yeah. the good guy. It's a. Uh, it's now um it's not like a regular american movie 
Well, mm-hmm. Brutus has yeah. sort of a black and white like morality, but it's not a black and white world he's living in. It's no. it's like a very very dark shades of gray. And and in the midst of all that gray, he makes some really awful decisions. <laughs> that, Brutus. That, that kind of that definitely um, move move a lot of the plot along. <laughs> Should this play be called the tragedy of Brutus? Kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yep. mean, it's really it is it is Brutus is the core of. Yeah of what's happening and um brutus's choice is is i mean caesar dies halfway through the play caesar dies before intermission dead gone i mean caesar might come back as a little ghost i think i think we should call it i think we should call it cassius (laughs) (laughs) how to not really be in charge but make it all happen right um steve ponton our artistic director for the company um, reminds us from time to time that every play to each character, the play is her play or his play. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, there, there is that first story about citizen number one. This is your play. This play <laughs> is about <laughs> you. It's true. There, there is that story about the actor who went home when Shakespeare was rehearsing Hamlet, and his wife said, uh, "So, what's the play about?" And he said. Well, it's about a grave digger who meets a prince. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we're, we're chuckling here. And this leads me to, uh, to my next question, which is you know, Shakespeare's trademark is throwing humor in either broadly, you know, pies in the faces, all that sort of thing, uh, donkey's heads on people, or it's a lot more subtle in certain places. And this play is not exactly known for its chuckleability factor. I don't think it's um, gonna be you after we're done with it either. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some humor. Where are you finding it? Um, there are a couple characters in particular that um, definitely offer some comic relief. They're not long periods of comic relief, but we've got um, no dog berries in this play. No dog no. berries. No. <laughs> There are no comic scenes. No fools. Yeah. No porter. And that, that yeah. makes it different from most of the other plays, yeah. too. Yes, I mean, at least in the yeah. tragedies or the histories, you know, in, in the Scottish play, you have you know, the porter scene. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, people are dying all over the place, you know, and everybody's getting backstabbed like crazy, but, you know, you got the porter. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to, is it hard to find in this play? It's not laugh out loud funny necessarily the relief in this play although there is a little bit of that but I think it's mostly um, things that make the audience smile and feel good again about people like there are a couple lovely relationships that have a lot of positivity in them and and the audience gets to see them uh, fleetingly throughout the play yeah and um, and I think that's going to be a relief to the audience just to see those moments of love and um, and respect. When we yeah, trying to find the times where we ground it in human relationships mm-hmm. specifically yeah. um, is, is what's going to buoy the audience through this political horror. Right. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, it has been a thrill and a half. I have so enjoyed doing this with the four of you. Um, please reintroduce yourselves. Tell us who you are. And if Amina, if you would, take us out by letting us know when and where. Mm-hmm. So I'll start on my left. Judith Andrew, and I play Brutus. Camilla Shade, and I play Cassius. 
Paige Anderson, and I'm the assistant director. Amina Omari, and I'm the director. And the show will be going up November 6th through 16th. It will be at Fall Creek Studios. Um, yeah, on the right. Fantastic. Yeah. And for, uh, you'll hear this on the arts calendar, but for information, uh, Shakespeare.org. Don't miss this one, kids. You'll regret it. <laughs> Thanks very much.